0: Good morning, everyone. It's my joint privilege to close our Matthew 10 series this morning with the last three verses. So, my name's Jenny, by the way, for those of you who don't know me. And we've been looking at this series since sort of mid-January, where Jesus speaks to his disciples and he gives them a number of instructions. He gives them some warnings. He explains what's gonna happen, both for them as they go out, but really looking more prophetically as well as to how his message is going to spread. And last week, we looked at some of these weeks, we have been looking at persecution, some of the challenges that Jesus came to bring a sword, and that it wouldn't necessarily be easy. But today, we're gonna sort of turn it around and land on those who receive. So the focus, of course, has been talking to to the disciples. But in these last three verses, we're gonna look at what about the people who are receiving and hearing, this message. This, after all, is the whole point of the mission. This is why Jesus is sending his disciples out with a message to be received. Now, before we read the passage, there's a Greek word that's used six times in these three verses, and that is Dechemai. So hopefully we've got that. There you go. Looks so much cooler in the actual Greek letters. So there we are, Uh, mathematicians amongst us, just love to see all those mathematical symbols turned into the Greek alphabet. So, I receive, accept, take, or in certainly my version, welcome. So, really, I just wanted to start by reflecting on the word receive, uh, or even, indeed, welcome. So, for example, when we receive a gift, the reality is that receiving simply means it gets placed into our hands, does it not? So, if I was to maybe... I've Maybe I've bought some really special coffee from Guatemala. I've been for a visit and I've come back. I've found some really special coffee and I go and I give it as a gift to Caleb. And he would receive that. So he receives it. But the reality is, I know that Caleb doesn't drink tea or coffee. So he's going to receive it. Of course, yes, that's very kind. You've thought of this gift. But what's he going to do now with this gift? He's going to think, well, Rona will enjoy it, so I could give it to her. He's going to think there'll be someone else who can make use of this gift. Perhaps, we have a, uh, perhaps they have a place where they can hand on gifts to other people who, when they're going somewhere or whatever. They've received it, but what they do with it then is, is their own decision. Contrast that with a child who has been dreaming about a particular Lego set, or perhaps it's a particular soft toy. They've spent the last eight months saying, for my birthday, I hope I get this particular Lego set. And on their birthday, they open it. And the joy with which they receive that gift, and then they start taking it everywhere with them, they tell everyone about it, they are receiving it. It's the same thing, they're receiving it, but there's a very different sense of how they receive it. When I spoke a few weeks ago, we were looking at the instruction to find a worthy household, and to settle in that household, and to be received into this household. Now, often when you receive someone into your household, there is immediately that sense of a more encompassing welcome but not always. I received a plumber into my household this week. It was a complete inconvenience, it was necessary, and I was very glad to have him there. He unfortunately came at the same time as I was trying to induct a new member of staff uh, over teams, and it was just really a challenging thing. So I just did what I could, Uh, I helped him move stuff in the garage, and then I went racing back up to the office. At one point I said, I really must make you a cup of tea. He's like, I'm all right for the moment. Uh, a bit later, he'll be fine. I totally forgot about a bit later. And when he left, I was just like, oh, sorry, I forgot about that cup of tea. And off he went. So he came into our house, but he wasn't welcomed wholeheartedly. Uh, as you would imagine that sometimes we may welcome, well, perhaps a family member we haven't seen for a long time. And we just take them into our home and we just, we're all in. We're all in, and I think that's really what I want to focus in on this morning, that actually, this "dechemai," this, this word receive, it's not a polite, friendly welcome. It's not a receive, but I'll pass it on to someone else. It is wholehearted, no holding back, receiving. A welcoming that fully embraces the message as true. I just want to share two other uses of this word. There's 56 uses of this word in the, uh, in the Bible. But here are two just to kind of show you other examples of where that word is used. So Matthew 18, verse 5, And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. A familiar verse, that whole sense of welcoming a child, not tolerating them, welcoming them. Uh, and the other one is Luke 2:28. This is Simeon, so Jesus has been born, he's been brought to the temple, and Simeon is a righteous and devout man, and he has been waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel, it says uh, in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And he takes, so this is the word, Simeon takes, but it's that same word, dechemai, he receives Jesus into his arms, and praises God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He doesn't just take a baby in his hands. He receives this, the promise, the promise that he knew he was going to see before he died, and he can now die in peace. So our passage today then, using that word six times, which in my version I think is translated as welcome throughout. So verses 40 to 42 of Matthew chapter 10. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person As a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward, and if anyone gives gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is really stylistically constructed, labouring the point. You could say, it almost seems like a repetition three times. First of all, there is. Picture Jesus, he's talking to his group of disciples, and first of all, he's saying, you. So he's talking to the disciples, whoever receives you. Then he steps aside and he does, well, who anyone receives a prophet as a prophet. So it's a more sort of generic way of talking about it. And then it's almost as if he turns over to these people and says, anyone who receives one of these. So it's really sort of building that emphasis. And the reason that that happens is to show how important something is. For this is a decision we're all invited to make will you receive jesus and if you already have are you all in fully embracing discipleship holding nothing back let's pray lord god we thank you for your word we thank you for all that we can take from it and lord i pray that as we just explore these verses this morning that you would speak to us that's what we want, Lord. We just want to be touched by you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work amongst us, would bring something specific for each person to mind. Lord God, would you draw us in to what you have for us this morning? Amen. So I'm just going to work through these three verses in turn. So, first of all, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So you've got this chain of authority. You've got the disciples, Jesus, God. And there's lots of examples of this through the New Testament, particularly the Gospels. Here are a few. Mark 9:37. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, which we we're just looking at when we were looking at detrimine, but, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So there's a real sort of mysterious connection really going up from someone here, like the disciple or the child, to Jesus, to God who sent him, to the Father who sent him. Another one, John 13 verse 20. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. So you've got this real chain going on. And there's actually one more where Jesus cried out. I I just think that's interesting then. Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Jesus is at pains to help us understand that it isn't just about him. So many people in our world think it's about them. And Jesus is at pains throughout his ministry to say, This isn't about me. This is about him who sent me. This is about my father, and I do what my father asks me to do. Believing in me is believing in him. It's a little bit like, uh, I suppose, our best modern day, our best sort of earthly comparison would be an ambassador in a country. Obviously, all around the world, people have uh, embassies, and in that embassy, you have a team under an ambassador. I uh, know someone who used to work for the Foreign Office, and she was placed in Indonesia, she was placed in uh, Thailand, and when she would go out doing her work, she is going out doing what the ambassador has asked her to do. She, she's representing British interests, uh, the British perspective in that country. But the ambassador isn't just thinking, oh, well, how will I? How should we do things? He obviously is acting on instructions from the mother country, from Britain in this case. So the British government is guiding the ambassador as to how to operate in that country, and he's then guiding his team. So it's, it's a flow of authority coming up and down in that way. And this is what Jesus is just saying to the disciples, as you go out, you know, we know this, it's not in their own strength. It's, if you're rejected, it's not you that's being rejected because you are being sent by me and I'm being sent by God. So that's this first verse. It's all about this kind of chain of authority, which is very familiar through different parts of Scripture. The second section, we go on to this sudden speaking about a prophet and a righteous person all over my bible today sorry I should have put more bookmarks in whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward that's a bit of a tongue twister isn't it try and do that one quickly what does this actually mean so a prophet is someone who hears and speaks God's words so, in the Old Testament, we have a lot of uh, lot of writings from prophets, not your top job really uh, in the world. you are called to go and speak god 's words into a situation and and that 's what you do that is your purpose to hear from God and speak out and that's so if we recognize you see a prophet is obviously a person, so you could welcome a person into your house just as that as a as an individual person who might need a meal and might need a bed to sleep, or you can recognize them as a prophet. And what that essentially means is that you're recognizing that they hear from God and they speak what they hear. So there's a, there's a real weight, isn't there? When I shared a few weeks ago, we looked at the Shamanite woman uh, in the time of Elisha and who she built her extension, do you remember, if you were here? So she recognized that he was a man of God and every time he passed through, she said, I want you to stay here, and eventually she built him a little room up on the roof so that he could stay there. She could have just said this was a traveler who needed some food, but she recognized that he came with authority from God. Righteous people in this context is really more used as the people of God as opposed to wicked people. So that, that's really, when it talks about and a righteous person, It's that same idea, really, people who are in right relationship with God. So this is about receiving, in this case, when Jesus talks to the disciples, receiving the disciples as bringing words from God, as as being in right relationship with God, not just people, but people who have been sort of anointed and sent through from God. And that's a challenge Sometimes to recognize that people are sent by God and bringing his message. I'm looking at Jeremiah at the moment and there's a, a verse there that, I quite, that just struck me really as I was reading this and, and preparing this. And it says, the prophets are but wind and the, world is, and the word is not in them. So let's let what they say be done to them. So this is basically saying Jeremiah's been called to speak in to a difficult time. God's word but the people are tempted to just say oh his words are like wind the word is not in them so we won't you know let let what he's saying done just let it be done to him they didn't heed his warnings but primarily because they didn't believe recognize receive that he was indeed a prophet that what he brought was not just his own take on events but what God was asking him to bring and they ignore that at their peril, because ultimately it leads to exile. I wonder if you recognize this, this idea of maybe someone's come. I I wonder, and I'll come back to this at the end, but sometimes there's really challenging words in the Bible, and perhaps sometimes a word comes to you and it feels very challenging. Perhaps someone says something to you and it just feels like, But if we were to realize that I came from God, and that is a difficult job, isn't it? The discernment, but if it's from God, then it is to be heeded. Because God uses his people to speak into our lives. I've certainly had amazing experiences in the past where God has used someone to speak into my life and make me realize something that needs to change or where God is leading me. So if we do recognize a prophet as a prophet or a righteous person as a righteous person, there's a reward. Now it's interesting here, it talks about you'll receive a prophet's reward. What exactly does that mean? One commentator says it's, it's like the reward of having a prophet in your home and actually refers back to that story of the Shamanite woman. She has a child, the child actually dies, and the prophet is the one who brings him back to life. There's general blessing of having a prophet in your home. I think there's perhaps something in that. Uh, there's also another commentator talked more about the a share in the reward of a prophet. Now, I think it's pretty fair to say that most prophets, certainly in the Old Testament, didn't get much reward on earth. They are probably your best example of people who have to wait for eternity to receive their true reward because most of their life is spent being ignored finding it difficult in worst case being persecuted for speaking out truth and they don't get they don't get the promotions they don't get the earthly recognition but they get the reward of knowing that they are doing god's will of he, of that incredible relationship with god where they hear from him and speak out so i think it's i think that's the kind of what jesus is trying to get across here that that the reward the biggest reward we can have is to be in direct connection with God, to be really hearing from Him, and to hear through others as well as directly through His word, all these different ways. That will give us our true reward. Very opposite of the world, of course. But whichever way you look at it, it's clearly of huge value. Jesus sees it's of huge value to those who support Him in his earthly ministry the way that we receive them and then the third verse says and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple truly i tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward uh, reference to reward again now it's interesting here the cup of cold water so this is accessible to anyone first of all this the to receive Jesus is accessible to anyone. Anyone can get a cup of water, but it does or did at that time require effort. It doesn't require so much effort now just to turn the tap on. But at that point, they would have got, had to go to the well and draw a cup of water. So it is an active decision to go and get that cup of, of, of water. For me, it draws to mind two different things. The first we saw a picture of earlier this morning. So the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. I don't have time to look at it now, but one of the other things we can pull from that story, beyond the fact that Jesus was thirsty, was that it doesn't matter your background. All are welcome. All are welcome. Jesus sits with this woman in the middle of the day, a woman who has been outcast, by the community around her, and he asks for a cup of water from her. When we looked at the passage earlier in Matthew, when the disciples are asked to come to a, they're asked to come and find a worthy household, it's just interesting to, to remember that that isn't about being worthy in the world's eyes, because as I said then, none of us are worthy, but Jesus makes us all worthy through his blood. So the woman at the well was worthy. Anyone can come and receive the message of Jesus. The other thing that it reminds me of is a passage in Matthew 25, which is Well known and loved by those who do social action work because it is all about the importance of caring for those in need. I'm just going to read from 31. We've only got the last verse up. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? And this is the verse we have, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's back to that. Mysteriously divine chain of command, isn't it? Just as when we receive the disciples, when we receive the message, we're receiving Jesus, we're receiving the Father who sent him. When we feed one of the least of his children, it's as if we're feeding Jesus directly. It's just mysterious, isn't it? But, but that is what is being being shown to us, really, in this passage. And it's a sobering passage because this passage and the passage we've been looking at in Matthew 10 is ultimately about judgment. It's the call to recognize God sent people and receive them. (coughs) The call to recognize God sent people in Matthew 10, Jesus is sending the disciples. We've just referenced prophets. That is God sending prophets out. It's our role to receive them, and from there, receive Jesus, sent by God, and receive him wholeheartedly, and, and not just that, not just receiving Jesus into our lives, receiving that message of, of salvation, but there's also this care and compassion to our neighbor, which we've just seen. That, that's that's the, the whole package, if you like. You know, it's the connecting into God, but then also out to those those little ones, those ones in need and that recognition of those who are in right relationship with God. Earlier in Matthew 10, I think it was the first, when we first looked at the disciples being called together, if you remember that, back in January, we looked at the disciples that were called together and where they were gonna go and then it says, Freely you have received, freely give. So that's ten eight, the second part of verse eight. Freely you have received, freely give. And really, for those of us who have received Jesus into our lives, for those of us who are, yes, I made this decision perhaps many years ago, there is a reminder there that we didn't it was free. You know, we didn't have to earn it. We received it freely. And out of that comes the opportunity to give freely. It's this, it's this, there's a wonderful flow going on, isn't there? There's the flow of us connecting with Jesus to the Father. There's the loving our neighbor, which somehow connects to, to loving Jesus. And there's a freely you have received, freely give. Let's be people who out of that, of what we've received, it just, it just flows out. We freely give to others. Recognising that it's all come from God anyway, all our resources. So that's really what I wanted to pull out from those three verses. Uh, I would encourage you to look back over that whole chapter that we've spent time looking over. I wonder which bits have particularly resonated with you. But as I've been preparing, I've been really mindful of a couple of things, which I just want to pull in before we finish. First of all, I've been mindful of the parable of the sower. Many of you will be familiar with this parable that Jesus tells, and he, the seed is sent out in different ways, and different things happen. And, I, and I've just been really struck with the seed that is received with joy and falls away. In a time of testing. So, Luke 8, verse 13. So, those on the rocky ground, so the ones on the rocky ground, first of all, some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. So, this seed that fell on the rocky ground, that represents those who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And I just think you know, it's been interesting the last few weeks we've looked at, at persecution. We've looked at those warnings for the disciples of what they would face. We've talked about our own country and where it's going. We've just heard about countries like Iran where there is persecution uh, going on. How, how do they stand? How would we stand against that kind of persecution? Just that reminder about the root, it's, we can't just receive with joy. It's like, it's like that child who's received that Lego set with joy and they're so excited about it. But a few years later, they grow up, they grow out of Lego. I don't know, do we ever grow out of Lego? But they grow out of Lego. Uh, and, it's, and it's cast aside in a bit of a toy story, growing up way. Uh, it, that can happen if we don't keep feeding the roots if we don't keep feeding our relationship with God, if we don't keep nurturing our time with God. And the problem is if we're not aware of it when the persecution does come, will we stand or will we fall away? And the other thing I mentioned I've been reading through Jeremiah at the moment, and uh, there's just a verse there that also struck me, which is in uh, chapter 6, verse 14. Verse 14. And it just says, uh, they're talking about the, the, well, from verse 13, it says, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the Old Testament of how badly the people of God are doing. And then this verse comes, They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Now, this partly jumped off the page at me because we've spent the last two and a half weeks dressing the wounds of our son, who came back from Costa Rica with some kind of allergic reaction to insect bites. Uh, And for the first week and a half, it's just been trying to dress it in different ways. And you know you're not dealing with the problem. You're just trying to do two things, make him comfortable, and try and make it not get any worse. So that's the two things I would say. You dress a wound to make it comfortable so that he can kind of keep going through stuff and not have, you know, just keep his clothes clean and everything like that. But also to stop it getting worse because if he scratches it, it's just going to start bleeding again. And it's not treating the root cause. Uh, we finally it it's the doctor and now there are things trying to treat the root cause whilst we continue to dress the wounds. And I just thought, you know what? Are we sometimes guilty of dressing a wound? We know there's an area where we're far from God. There's no, we know there's an area where things are starting to go off in the wrong direction. But we just dress the wound. We just do something to keep it comfortable, or make sure that it's still okay, or, or that it doesn't get any worse. But we don't treat the root of the problem. Are we speaking truth into situations? Are we realizing how serious it is? Or are we just letting ourselves drift? Are we just slotting our faith into one area of life where we need it and we're not really all in? So that's just the kind of where I really wanted to just focus at the end. You know, we looked at receiving, receiving wholeheartedly, receiving with joy, what Jesus says about that all-important call to receive. But I just think it's worth reflecting on whether we still are all in. Are we all still wholeheartedly for God? Or is there something that needs some root work Some dealing with right inside rather than just dressing the wounds. So I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to just spend a bit of time praying. I'm going to ask God to just bring to mind where there might be something he would want to say. Lord God, I pray now in in the silence that you would bring to mind areas where we know that we're not all in, that you're not first, where something else perhaps is trying to take that place. And perhaps we know what that thing is, but we just dress the wound. We just cover it up and walk forwards, uh, and it's still there. We're living with it in a comfortable way. We're making sure it doesn't get any worse. But will we be ready for a time of testing, trouble, persecution that may come? Do our roots go deep enough? Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. Would you touch hearts, would you bring to mind areas where we need to go to the root of the problem. And Jesus, we thank you that it is as easy as saying, it's this, I want to be all in for you, Jesus. I want to receive you fully, wholeheartedly. I want you to be my all, to be my everything. And you're there. That's what you long for too. And if there's anyone this morning who has never fully received Jesus into their lives. It's the same, you just turn to him now and say, I want to, I love you, I believe in you, and you're there. So Lord, we ask that you administer to us.